I'm Laura Allen, and this is Hello Thoughts. Hope, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Hope, it's hard to hang on to that sometimes. And I hate to serve you a Daria vibe, you know, that vibe that I can't seem to shake sometimes, but it's getting a little hard to hang on to hope waiting for change to take place. It, it, it could be tricky. Watching the monstrosity of a, of a human run the show for the last four years has been hard on anyone with, that doesn't have a garbage mind. The only thing I can come up with is that evolution is just not happening fast enough. And natural selection has not been happening fast enough. And we're amongst animals. On that note, I was lucky tonight to hit the pause button and and to, to have a minute to just not be in my head about it all. And I had the beautiful, funny as hell, strong, smart, amazing Kate Nichols on. Thank you so much, Kate, for coming on and talking with me and sharing with me. It's rare you get to walk through your life, and it, it could be hard as fuck to do that. Um, and also a beautiful thing to take that time to applaud your strength. You don't really get to do that too often. You know, we all have these lives that have good and bad, some way worse than others. But regardless, what's happening to you is relevant. So to take that time to to applaud yourself, um, it can hurt getting there. But I hope that she got everything out of it that I possibly could have given. Um I got so much out of it, and I am grateful that she let me listen to her journey. It it really gave me a lot of insight, and uh, I know it will you if you listen. Um, she's just fantastic. At one point, she talks about her therapist giving her a suggestion of, you know, if you're feeling that emptiness or, you know, that void to kind of look back and see what was really positive for you as a child. And I thought that was super interesting and, and true, you know, and that's kind of when comedy came back into her life. And, uh, you know, cause she was a performer and um, I'd love to see her perform, you know, like I've seen her comedy and I think, it's just fantastic and so funny and she's quick and just excellent at comedy, but I'd, I'd love to see her her perform. I've never seen her do like improv. I, I've seen her do some improv, but I've never seen her live doing that. So I'd love to do that one day. But um, so she dove into comedy and it was what she needed. And it's so great that she took the time for herself to you know, figure out what, what could fulfill parts of her. And I think we should all do that. 
I have been doing that with my art. Um, and thinking now after she said that, you know, as a kid, I definitely I was so connected to art and loved art. And now I find myself doing it. And we all need something at this point. Like I started this conversation. It's it's very hard and a hard time to find hope and stuff. So to do that has been helpful to me. And to do this, you know, I was very shy as a kid. So talking to people, it's it's ironic that I do it now. But then like looking a little further ahead when I started being behind the chair and working with people, that's when I started to get so much satisfaction out of conversation with, with humans and hearing them and having empathy for their stories. You know, even the littlest smallest of things was relevant to me and um yeah so that was such a great suggestion and um I'm sure she would suggest that as well because it it has helped her come far and and to where she is today and she is such a strong inspirational woman so Again, I thank you so much, Kate, for coming on and and sharing with us. Uh, yeah, I can't wait till chapter two, and I'm I'm gonna hopefully hopefully by then I could be serving you chili and I could see your face as you eat my chili. If not, we'll have to zoom. I'll I'll mail it to you. I'll, I'll drop it off, and we'll have to zoom it, and I'll I'll watch you that way because I I think you'll like it. I think you'll like it. So here's Kate Nichols, everyone. Enjoy her. Hi. Hi. Could you see me that whole time? No. Oh. Because <laughs> I saw you pop up and then like it kept disappearing. I wasn't sure if you were there. I'm like, is she seeing me like fluster through like my blankets and my all my all my wires no it, it was just saying please wait the meeting host will let you in soon and then it blinked like on and off a couple of times but never like fully yeah until now odd very yeah. odd well i'm sorry about that okay um tonight i'm so excited to welcome the sweet smart beautiful those beautiful eyes I'm so excited I get to look at them for the next you know hour plus Kate Nichols thank you so much for coming on hi Laura thanks for having me and I am likewise very excited to look at your pretty face for a while <laughs> I I you know I usually drink water but I need a beer tonight okay tonight I need a beer I'm so happy to just kind of put my brain on pause uh, it's been quite a day, a uh, couple of days. Yeah. And I'm excited to just kind of dive into you tonight. Cool. That sounded kind of, kind of fresh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't take it that way, but now I'm wondering. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way, Kate, but let's, let's move on from that awkward, uh, moment. Right. Um, so I'm excited. So, so tell me a little bit about where you grew up. Where are you from? Oh, um, well, I was born in the city, in New York City. Oh, um, okay. 
and I lived there until I was five. Um, okay. What five. part of the city were you in? The West Village. We were on oh. Sixth and Bleecker. Okay. Uh, in a one-bedroom apartment with five people in my family. Wow. Yeah. All in the bedroom together. Um, <laughs> yeah. And at, uh, we moved to Long Island after that. My mom was from there, so we moved to kind of aware around where she was from. Um, her sister lived out there, mm-hmm. and then her sister bought this house. It was a two-family house, so my family and another one of my aunts and her family moved into the two units of the house, so we lived there. For so they, they came together and bought this place was it kind of like a duplex or so my one aunt built her dream house and then her and her husband bought the house across the street Mm -hmm. that was um on the ground floor it was one house and then there was a basement like apartment like a two okay yeah so um my other aunt and uncle moved into that part and we moved into the other part and so I lived there for five years and then moved out to New Jersey when I was nine um, in 2000. Okay. Yeah. So, so when you were in New York at, you know, from, from birth to five years old, like, do you remember, do you have like a pretty vivid memory of that time or? I have some memories. Um, I was little, but I have some memories of it. Um, m- my, I remember the Halloween parade because we lived right on Sixth Avenue. Wow. Um, and yeah, we were on the ground floor. So we could see the whole thing happening right outside of our window. So I remember yeah. that. Um, I have memories of like certain little parks and places that mm-hmm. my mom would take us to. Um, and when I was a, when I was growing up, my dad was the pastor of a church in the city. So oh, we wow. lived yeah, not too far away. So I would go with him to the church all the time. So I have a lot of memories of like that building and Mm -hmm. um, the different buildings we were a part of. Yeah, I do. I do have some memories of it. That's really cool. So was dad, did he continue being a pastor there or when you moved it all changed or? He, that continued, um, until I was like 17. So yeah, we, we lived in, um, uh, Maplewood. So we're like Mm -hmm. not far out from the city. It was like closer actually than when we lived in Long Island. So, right. uh, Yeah. That just kept on going. Yeah. So, so faith kind of was a big deal for your family. I'm assuming then. Yeah. 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 That's fair to say, but it was, um, not always like in the beginning it was Mm -hmm. but after we moved out to new jersey things in my family shifted a lot Um, yeah yeah and my parents we'll we'll get there right yeah 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 so so you went from new york what kind of made the move to uh, have a bigger place or what kind of made you guys move no, I don't know exactly. My understanding is that my aunt and uncle who were living in the basement apartment, um, they were expecting their second child. So they needed more space. And let's see, I guess my aunt who lived across the street, she had moved to New Jersey. 
Um, I didn't move to the same part of New Jersey as her, but, oh, we had family friends in our church who lived in Maplewood and my parents visited and fell in love with the town. So that area. Yeah. yeah. All those factors. Did that they kind of, did your parents, I mean, just from your understanding, want to get you guys, and I forgot to ask, you have siblings then? I have two younger brothers, yes. Two younger brothers, okay. So wanted to kind of get you guys out of the city or was oh, that not really necessarily a problem? Okay, when we moved from the city to Long Island, um, we needed more space. It was right. one apartment. It was very tiny. There were five of us. My This is like right around the time my youngest brother was born. Um, so I think they they wanted a bigger space and... Yeah, you know, I don't know exactly. I'd have to ask. Um, yeah. But my aunt happened to like be looking at the house across the street where she was living. Maybe, maybe she was like, "You guys should come live out here." You know, you're raising a family. closer to family. And yeah, I I really don't know though. Actually, I've never asked like why. Yeah. Did you have a lot of family in the city while you like when you grew up there, or? No, everybody no. was on Long Island, and my dad's. Uh, my dad is from West Virginia and everyone he's related oh. to still lives there. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you moved to Long Island. You, how long were you guys there? About four or five years. Four, yeah. Okay. So school, um, I'm assuming you kind of started in New York, maybe like a kindergarten, but then you changed over to Long Island. School. Yeah. I, I was uh, in a pre-K in the city. Mm-hmm. And my birthday's at the end of the year, so I'm like kind of one of those weird cutoff kids. Um, yeah. So when we moved to Long Island, they did some testing to like see if I could enter kindergarten, mm-hmm. uh, even though I wasn't five yet. Um, and, and I feel like school systems, like from I don't at least I remember hearing from like New York to New Jersey, like different school systems have different like cutoffs. I think. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Cause mm-hmm. I had more of my school years living in New Jersey and I was like always one of the youngest kids in my grade. Yeah. Yeah. Most kids born at the end of the year, I guess started, uh, they'd be the oldest in their grade. Right. The following year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So then school, what was school in Long Island like then? Small school or? I'd say an average size. I don't yeah. know. Um, public school. Let's see. I did kindergarten through fourth grade um, at the same school. Um, Your dad being a pastor, what, like, do you think they wanted you to go to private school or that really was never like a thought? I don't think so. Both yeah. my went to public school. Um, I don't think my family was ever in a financial situation to like play with that idea. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it was never no. even something to entertain. Yeah. yeah. Never a question. Right. Right we would do like a week of Bible camp or something mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, going to school, I don't know. It was, I don't know. It was my elementary school years. I think it was fun. Mm-hmm. I had a really mean teacher in second grade I have <laughs> of her asking the class to define the word who. Oh, we struggled with that. Like sure. to, high level of a concept we were like well it's who a person is and she's right like, define it without using the word and we were just lost and oh 
I, I don't know why that one seared into my brain. I guess <laughs> I felt like really stupid. And I was like, oh no. Um, yeah. And I had Cause like, that's really- what teachers are supposed to do. They're <laughs> supposed to just <laughs> make you feel as dumb as possible. <laughs> You know, I remember her being very old, but being as old as I am now and looking back at like a second grader's brain, I think that could have been like a really big window, but I remember right. her just like old and cranky and just, unhappy. yeah. I remember feeling like she didn't like us very much. So that was a long, long year. Yeah. <laughs> at least grade. in school. Yeah. And you, so you were the oldest of of a family of the three siblings. So, so tell me a little bit about that. Are you far apart in age or? I'd say we're um, close. My, my brother below me, we're two and a half years apart. Oh, okay. Yeah. Me and my um, youngest brother are somewhere between four and five years apart. Cause I was born in 90, he was born in 95, but our birthdays are at opposite ends of the year. So probably closer to four. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Did you feel very protective over them or? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I remember when my little brother came home from the hospital and I remember the feeling I was only two and a half, but I wow. feel like that this is my baby. My baby mm-hmm. is coming home from the right, hospital. Right, right. My baby. Yeah. <laughs> and I think in a lot of ways that persisted throughout our lives and sure being honest a little bit today still. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Very protective of my brothers. Yeah. So, um, you were in school when you got, uh, did you get pulled out of school to move to New Jersey or? No, I think we did it in the summer. Okay. Um, So it wasn't too bad. Uh, I, I did go from fourth grade to fifth grade, which at that elementary school was the last year in the school. So that was a little tough because I didn't Mm -hmm. know kids. Um, but a lot of kids lived on our block who were like in our age group. So right. we made a lot of friends over the summer. So that was great. Cause we weren't like coming in cold, I guess. Right. That's cool. Yeah. When you found out you were moving, you were in fourth grade then where was it like, Oh my God, my friends, like, was everything crashing at that moment for you or? It was, um, a mix because yeah. I was really excited to have stairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even yeah. Like, we would run back and forth kind of from my um, aunt and uncle's apartment in the basement to our place upstairs, but we were going to have like our own stairs in the house with carpet. And I really wanted stairs with carpet that we could like roll, slide down in our sleeping yeah. bag. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I had a friend's house. I must've done that at cause I was right. like, stoked for that. <laughs> um, I love it. Yeah. And, but I was, really upset. Yeah. About leaving my friends. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had a lot of New York pride as a nine-year-old. I I don't want to move to New Jersey. Yeah. (laughs) Jersey's stinky. It sucks. So I was like, I had it in my mind. As soon as I graduated high school, I was going to move back to New York. Yeah. It's so funny because I love New Jersey so much. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I've done a lot of back and forth and uh, no, I'd say if I I have a lot of New York in me, but I ha- Jersey has my heart. Yeah, yeah. How funny is that, right? I know. I know. So no, I looked at what it costs to live in the city. I oh my! Was a lot less enthusiastic. Like when I was a kid, right. I was like, "Yeah, this is a cool place for an apartment. I'll live here." Definitely, right? Yeah. 
And then you see the numbers and you're like, oh, shit. (laughs) Tribeca's a cool neighborhood. Like, this building doesn't look too shiny. How expensive could it be? Right, right, right. Meanwhile, it's like like a closet and it's crazy money. Insane, insane. So that changed things. Yeah. Yeah. So and that I, had to be a big deal. You find you had your your carpet and your stairs. Did you yeah. ever take that that uh, sleeping b- uh, bag sleigh sleigh yeah. ride? Yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't remember like specifically doing it, but I'm sure that I did. Yeah, yeah. We got bored with it within a few fast. Yeah. yeah. Then you were going down the railing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, how was the change into school then? You were going into fifth grade. Was that middle school for you or was no, that was still? The, the last year of elementary school there. Okay. So were you like the new kid on the block? It was exciting. I was. I, was <laughs> kid. I had made some friends with the kids who lived on my block. And yeah. There some drama unfolded at the start of the school year. Um, one of the girls started telling people that or I guess got the feeling that I'd like stolen her best friend because me and one of the girls on the block were in the same class and another girl was in a different class and she started telling people that I was the bitch from New York oh shit so that wasn't cool yeah (laughs) my fifth grade teacher isn't it so funny thinking about that now like Uh just how young you are at, at fifth grade and like how much that kind of drama is really a real thing for these children. And, and for us at the time, it's just so bizarre to see, especially since like I'm watching Ruby, she's, she's six turning seven in a couple of months, like just in March. So she's almost seven. And it's like that, that's like around the corner. And that's just so odd to me. Yeah. So little and, and having these feelings. I know. So you were the bitch from New York. I was, <laughs> I was the bitch from New York. Oh, yeah. But the intensity of, like, emotion and the things that do get, like, seared into our brain and, like, mm-hmm. you can feel the feeling of it even, you know, I feel like more so that than the actual maybe, like, movie scene of the events. Like, the right. feeling way more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and my fifth grade teacher was awful. I have oh. no, no, uh, no qualm saying that she was yeah. bad news. Um, so we, uh, the person who became my best friend, I met in that class mm-hmm. and we still joke about it, how she refers to it as the reject class. Cause it was <laughs> the kids whose parents weren't going to call the school. Right. The kids, right. It's the kids who nobody knew what to do with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This lady was awful. She she would tell us like, I can't believe none of you handed in the homework. And we're like, What are you talking about? We handed that that thing in. And she right. like gaslighted the class and was like, None of you handed this in. This is unacceptable. I can't believe nobody handed this in. You all have to stay after school. You all have to stay through recess. And like I remember coming home crying and being like, Mom, like, you have to get me out of this class. Like the, right. I don't going on here something's wrong with my teacher <laughs> right um and stuff like that would happen like she was mean she's yeah mean. I remember like the grimace of her face because right of how often we saw it yeah um so I actually on the daily 
yeah um a, a kid got switched out of my class and i was like oh that's a thing right <laughs> so then I and we began, make that happen yes, I, I i began my own escape plan right right <laughs> the the tragedy in it was me and my best friend like the week it all got finalized that i was going to switch that was like when we became best friends and you know now right right me. and then that oh you really started, did get out of that class i got out oh my <laughs> I got it out of there. Okay. Um, yeah, and then the girl who was my who was my neighbor who had said that I was a bitch from New York then started Oh, the neighbor was saying you were the bitch. Yeah. I I I was assuming that was the friend that you were stealing was the was the friend next door. No, 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 no. Oh, no. oh. My block, right? And they already had an established friendship. Oh, me. right, right. Then I she show was up. owned by the other girl. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we're in the same class. We establish a friendship. You can have more than one. Right. Um, but no, then the other girl was like, oh, she's just a bitch from New York. And then she started a rumor that I left the class I was in mm -hmm. to follow the boy who left the class first because oh. I had a big fat crush on him. Oh, Cause that's, okay. that's what you automatically do. If you came from New York, you're chasing boys. Yeah. You're chasing them. Those <laughs> The new girl. Crazy <laughs> New York nine-year-olds. They'll <laughs> ruin your whole elementary school social strata. Whatever. Right. So, so was that like hard for you as a young child, like dealing with yeah. all that? Yeah. Really, really hard. I was a lot of, intense emotions, a lot of sadness because I mm -hmm. you know I made these friends and kind of was getting rejected by friends and making new friends. And, um, I'd always all in this new environment too. It's, yeah. 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 And I'd always really liked school and having that teacher like really threw me for a loop. I was like, I don't like school anymore. Um, right. Yeah. we would have like a, a, I guess a free write, like, you know, this exercise where you write in a journal and I would, I, you know, cry to my mom and I had a lot of trouble sleeping because I was anxious about all this stuff. Yeah. She, she gave me NyQuil or something, but I wrote in the journal, like I couldn't sleep last night. So my mommy gave me pills and it made me better. <laughs> right. Right. Naturally you're saying all your feelings and <laughs> right. So yeah, I think my mom like had to have a conversation with the school about that because somebody might have brought it up because I, <laughs> I remember my mom laughing about it a lot like right well yeah yeah mm -hmm. so um once you got out of the class did it kind of like turn around a little for you or yeah I would say it did it got a lot better um the teacher I had was super cool um a lot of fun I was excited about learning again um yeah can kept up with the best friend I had made from mm -hmm. the class I'd switched out of. Um, and we became like really fast friends. Yeah. Yeah. Houses all the time. And our brothers were close in age. So they became friends. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you yeah. felt that comfort and good friendship there, yeah. which really can save you. Totally. Yeah. So yeah. then, um, were you into like, what were you up to? Were you like, what kind of kid were you? Were you mischievous or were you totally into sports? Where, like what was going on in your world otherwise? I was a good girl. Yeah. I, 
the good kid. I followed the rules. I didn't give my parents a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to read a lot. Yeah. Reading. I was, yeah, just super like, I don't know, I guess it, in, in my feelings feels like the right word. I would, yeah. read, I would write. Um, yeah. And me and my best friend, we would go to each other's houses mm-hmm. and she was allowed to do a lot of things that I wasn't like my, my it was still very much like the pastor's house, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I'm Christian, there's no cursing. We weren't allowed to watch the Simpsons. And then I go to my friend's house and I remember like this, these might've even been some of the first sleepovers we had. She wanted me to watch scream and I know what you did last summer and like all of these scary movies. Yeah. And I was like, because this was the truth, I was like, I'm not allowed to watch rated R movies. And she's like, well, don't tell anybody. Right, right. Like, that was my excuse because I was terrified. I don't like, I still I I was going to say, you were probably actually very scared to even, you know, see it. I was very scared. Um, I did not enjoy the experience. (laughs) Um, So you went through with it. Oh, no. a lot of grief about it <laughs> and she had hbo so like oh forget it i remember um <laughs> a clip from the sopranos and again one of those this is an image that's seared into my memory because it was very inappropriate yeah <laughs> yeah just some naughty stuff going on and <laughs> i was what is happening yeah um so yeah we we would have these sleepovers and we would like play hide and go seek in the basement and um yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of kids running around, but I also had a lot of solitude, a lot of my quiet time, read all the Harry Potters, mm-hmm. um, read lots of books. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, so so she kind of, in a sense, opened you up to like some of those things that you had never really experienced, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, but you stayed kind of grounded and and true to y- you and who you were at that time. I guess so. I mean, that might be a deep question for a nine-year-old me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if I had a moment to reflect on if I was being true to myself. I think being molded. But you were still well-behaved and and kind of like following the rules, even though you you might have watched Scream, you you were still like going home on time and all those things were... Yeah. which which is 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 good and it it's kind of hard to stay on that path when some things are are opening up but she sounds like she was a good friend for you she was and she yeah. still is. and she still is how nice is that that's a yeah. long time 20 years 20 um, years we celebrated our uh yeah your well, anniversary we, yeah, we celebrated our our 20 year friend anniversary perfect Mm-hmm. That's a long, long time. Yeah. So, so, and her brother was friends with your brother. So it was all, did your, your parents know her parents? Yep. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So all the while, um, dad was still a pastor at any point. Did that kind of like put any sort of pressures on you as, you know, just like growing up? I don't know. It's so foreign to me. So like to have that in your family could be, I would think, a little bit of pressure or no? Um, Looking back, I would say yes. I don't think that I felt pressured as I was growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, in like, you know, Sunday school, so when the parents are in church, kids are in classes, Sunday school. And Mm -hmm. um, 
I knew all the answers to everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was kind of like the top in a way. Sure. You know, I guess like the the most Bibliest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because um, it, it came natural to you because you these were all these stories and everything. You knew them probably by heart. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, home. Yeah, my parents made a big point of like teaching us the Bible and things, mm-hmm. stories like that. Um, and yeah, so I guess there was, but I, I don't remember ever like feeling pressured. I remember that yeah. just feeling normal. Like there yeah. was something that I can remember where it's like you, you got to be more like standards there. It didn't feel like you were held up to this certain, a certain standard probably because you naturally, it seems like you, that's what you wanted at the time, just kind of, you were following the rules and it didn't feel foreign to you to do that. Yeah. And, and a little about the church, it was a Christian non-denominational church that was very, um, for its time, like very, I guess, progressive. If you mm-hmm. think about churches, like on the sure. of churches, um, right. A lot of like artists who were part of the church, um, people who would like had struggles with addiction and like mm-hmm. been in jail, like it was very open-minded, I guess, kind of. Thing. Right. Um, there certainly were like rules and expectations, but I think when you hear the word church, some people might have a certain image that like there's a um, very strict kind of thing and everyone's wearing skirts down to their ankles and stuff like right. that. Like, it was um, a very like new agey, 80s, 90s, New York City, like mm-hmm. very- um, lots of welcoming. Like, yeah. Singing, right. performing was like a big part of our oh, church. Cool. Um, there was like a dance, a modern dance group. Um, and like, we didn't just have a church choir, like we'd have shows and stuff like that all the time. So yeah, it was, um, it, it, I guess that might be the culture of the church, I mm-hmm. guess, wasn't a very high pressure kind of environment. Right. Right. So was your mom then part of the church too, or? Yeah. Um, my mom went to the church first and she invited my dad. Who oh, okay. A pastor. Wow. Yeah. Okay. She and were they party. part of like the creative? It sounds like there's like a lot of like creative music and all that stuff. Were they part of that too? Yes. So my mom joined the church and then my dad came with her some she invited him at some point no he invited Mm -hmm. himself Um, (laughs) that's kind of an interesting story Um, yeah and then my dad after being a member for some time became the um praise and worship leader or the the praise and worship ministry leader or something Mm -hmm. so yeah he was the guy leading the songs and singing the songs and stuff yeah yeah does it like was his presence very like I'm just picturing someone who's kind of, I feel like you have to have a certain kind of confidence to be a pastor of, you know, a a whole church. My dad's background is uh, he was a professional actor, musical theater. Wow. Yeah. He um, was equity and everything. He, um, he did some off-Broadway stuff, touring stuff. How cool. Yeah, he, him and Matthew Broderick used to get sent for the same auditions all the time. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, this is a wild story. He had auditioned for, ooh, what's it called? Um, This show, Harvey Firestein produced it. Um, 
I want to say like fire and ice, but that's uh, Lord of uh, no, Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some some theater nerd is going to hear this and be like turning over. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so there's this show. Um, him and Matthew Broderick were both up for the part. They cast my dad, but he went on tour and they couldn't find him. Um, oh. He like didn't get his his messages or something. So they wound up casting him. So that was kind of like his big break. That's yeah. Fingers. That's- that's crazy. Fire song trilogy. Okay. Torch, fire torch song. I don't know. <laughs> I think I got the words. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I assembled them properly. In, in the, the correct order. <laughs> I don't know why it's called trilogy if it's just one show. That's the part that's tripping me up, but I do feel like that was part of the title. Anyway, yeah. So so do you feel I obviously I would think that you get some of that creative uh spirit from your dad then perhaps yeah right yeah i'd yeah. say and i grew up seeing him leading the worship ministry being the pastor he was a great storyteller mm-hmm. and could really like weave together like different elements of stories and connect them and and teach something you know like present something so absolutely yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. how funny how that that can transpire into you know what you do yes now, now I- dick jokes some of them about my (laughs) (laughs) there you go right so now comedy is just it was at some point influenced by all that oh yeah for sure Mm -hmm. so look at that so so you're you're in school you're um were you you didn't do any sports or anything like that i was never good at it i did it you tried you attempted to Do some sports. Do a little soccer, a little softball. It was more about socialization. Sure, trying things out. <laughs> Which is, I have a, a very competitive spirit, but I lack athletic ability. So <laughs> very frustrating situations. <laughs> yeah. Um, so thankfully, I found other things that I was good at. Um, right. I that itch, but no, my brothers are very athletic and very good at the sports that they play. So I like to think that I, um, uh, I sacrificed my athletic ability so that they could inherit it. The both of them, right? Yes. I I actually would have been as powerful as both of them combined, but I chose, I, I felt, you know, in my zygote state, (laughs) it was too much power. (laughs) So I shed that back into the womb so that my brothers could absorb it separately. They are forever grateful. I'm sure of that. (laughs) so um you so so then you moved on to you you were in middle school and then into high school did things like did you start performing or doing any of that kind of stuff or oh yeah um so in in elementary school we did like a little musical and I was in that and then in in middle school yeah I I feel like I didn't participate in the school musicals for some reason that I don't know what it is. Um, yeah. But there was a a local community theater where oh, I, okay. um, where I did uh, a show. Actually, when I was in Long Island, when I was in elementary school, I did a couple of community theater productions. I did Annie and I did The Wizard of Oz. So I had already started doing some of that. So you were involved in in performing art kind of stuff already. Yeah. Was, was um, 
there ever a point that you remember being like afraid, stage fright, or or it was just supernatural for you? Um, I I remember being maybe a little stage fright little bit. when I was l- littler. Yeah, um, there's a video of me in pre-K we were singing, you know, there's like a recital at the end of the year mm-hmm. and I'm like scream singing. You can't hear any other kid on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I would guess that some of that was probably coaching from my dad. Like you have to project and like, right. you know, um, uh, and there you were belting it out. Yeah. But I think interestingly, right. So then I would have been like three or four and you just have like, I was uninhibited. I think at that age, I was very, out there. But then as I became more aware of myself and like how other kids respond to you or treat you, like I think that I maybe became a little bit more self-conscious and like shy. Right. Um, But yeah. And then in middle school, yeah, I did do a couple of things. So yeah, I was doing it. I was doing some stuff. Did your high school have like a performing arts? Yeah. A pretty robust one. Um, Nice. So I did the musical my freshman year and I was in the ensemble and then I auditioned sophomore year and I didn't get cast in the show at all. Oh. And even though I got a callback for one of the leads. So Mm -hmm. I was like, why wouldn't I at least. That's confusing. Yeah. And I think it's because I had really slacked off when I was in the musical the first year. And I think the director took that personally. It was like, if you're just, I started hanging out with the stoner kids and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, The shift happened. Yeah. And (laughs) I was like, well, I'm, you know, we're sitting around for 45 minutes waiting for this one part of the scene where we all shuffle around in the background. I'm just going to go kick shit with my friends behind the gym for a little bit. (laughs) um, I think there were probably one too many of those days where it's like, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's what I think happened. Um, so you started hanging out with the stoners? I did. Yeah, I did. Did the um, mischief start happening or? Yeah, yeah. That was the shift you were talking about earlier? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, when I was in middle school, um, I guess towards the end, I couldn't pinpoint exactly when, but there was mm-hmm. a big shift in like my family dynamic. Mm-hmm that was unspoken. Okay. Um, Like my parents weren't getting along anymore or Mm -hmm. I was old enough to realize maybe that they I don't know. You're not sure quite which it was. Yeah. Um, And they both started drinking a lot. And I do remember kind of being like, what's going on? Right. And receiving the message like, nothing's going on. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. There being this kind of feeling of like, okay, am I crazy? Like, right. Um, am I seeing this? Yeah. So were they, um, kind of outspoken about their arguments? Like, were they doing no. that in front no. of, or maybe there was no arguments. It was just a energy. It was just an energy thing. Okay. Um, there were like, a couple of blow up things. I honestly have very fuzzy memories of a lot of it. Um, and I think that's kind of a protective thing that's going on sure. in, my brain, in my body. Sure. But yeah, it, I remember it mostly as like this big energy shift and mm-hmm. the way that 
we did things changed. My mom became like a kind of do whatever you want parent, but my dad was still holding on to a lot of rules and like we're Christian, right. like follow the Bible. So that was really weird to have two parents on like totally different pages. My mom is like, do whatever you want, have whoever right. you over, like, and yeah, so that was weird. And it created like a really weird feeling. Um, like whiplash, you were kind of back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. And I started high school with like this little group. There was four of us friends and then two of them kind of branched off and were like, we're not talking to you guys anymore. And so I felt like very unmoored, I guess, because then me and my other friend, we were friends and we were close, but it all kind of fell apart. Like she found her, she floated around. I floated around. Right. New friends. Um, I became friends with some of the kids who were like more advanced for their age or mm-hmm. smoking cigarettes and like yeah, eating and doing sex and stuff. And yeah. Yeah. That was where I kind of found like, I don't know. I think really- sometimes when you're kind of that, that negative energy, I, I mean, regardless of if you had it at the time, I'm, I'm sure you did just in your back and forth feeling, you know, I feel like somehow those kids just like, it's just like a magnet. You just like, (laughs) like sucked in to that negativity, you know? Well, yeah, it was, it was, um, I don't know exactly what it was all about. Something about like feeling more adult or just like looking for an escape. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I could spend a lot of time going through it, but I don't want to make you my therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I understand. But um, this is about you and that is part of you. So, um, so, so dealing with that, I mean, I guess it was kind of hard to deal with it. You weren't really dealing with it. You were just trying to figure it all out a little bit on your own. It sounds like. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why I wound up with certain kids because they like what drew us to each other was this feeling that like we either were on our own or like I've something about like I I've got it all figured out. Like the, you know, the I make my answers. Yeah. Like the grown up can't tell us what to do. Mm -hmm. We're going to do our own thing. And something in that clicked, like it met some kind of a need or it matched with the way of thinking or being right Um, yeah yeah like and then my mom started drinking so much and And that had to be that is it is very confusing because it it so they just to get the picture a little bit more obviously they they were christian and and you were raised in the church but did they drink at all prior? I think so, but I, and again, I don't know if it's that I reached an age where I was more aware of my surroundings. Right. Um, but I, my the memories of my earlier childhood were a lot happier. Like I, I don't remember that stuff mm-hmm. happening much or, um, but yeah, talking to my parents, I think they always, they weren't like teetotalers or anything. Like they didn't abstain. Right. Um, but I think it, it, it became problematic at a certain mm-hmm. point. 
opposed to like fun and social, but maybe it was a problem before that. I don't really know. Um, but she like, so my mom started her own catering business. She started working with another mom from school who was a caterer. Then she started her own catering business when I was in like middle school. But she so kind was, of prior to that shift change. Yeah. Or, okay. I feel like a part around, of it. Around that time. She, so she was running it then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she would like throw, throw these wonderful parties for people. Um, she would be very involved in the party planning. Like she wasn't just dropping off platters of food. Right. I, so I would work with her from like 12 years old. Yeah. And I'd be with her and we were always part of the party. Like we weren't just working the party. Like right. she would cater for these families about town and there was always drinking going on and she would drink and then we'd be leaving and she'd still be drinking. And like, it just, it went so deep she made these friends and she would like bring me with her. And I think I was privy to a lot of conversations that I was probably not ready to hear. Here. Yeah. Um, and she'd get like fall down drunk and yeah. like, she'd be crying in my arms. Like I have a memory of that one night from before high school. So maybe like 12 or 13. Yeah. Um, so but then when I got to, before I got to high school, my mom had started hiring some high school students to work for her catering business through a friend who had some teenagers working for her theater company. And they were like, your mom is so cool. Like she can drink so much. Like Laura's the best. Yeah. Was Laura. Um, <laughs> so it was very much glorified. So again, sure. that like one of those, like I'm seeing my mom fall apart. Crumbling. Like, yeah. And I don't know what's going on, but then there are these people who I think are the fucking coolest, you know, right, when you're like 12, right. a 15 year old is like, yeah, the oh, cute boy. Like, oh my God. Right. Like, oh, this is cool. Like, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. This is cool. Um, so yeah. It's, and then I was like, yeah, no, I, I think because it was too painful to like see my mom as broken or in pain I mm -hmm. did more into that like no she's just really cool and drinking sure. is just a thing that people do and it's really cool so I like aligned myself with the people who held that point of view sure and as I mean I feel like it's it's your mom so it's like you're you're you'd much rather think think that mm -hmm. especially as a kid yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so you leaned into that a little bit did they, so they all worked with you then at that point you were yeah, kind there of was a few. Yeah. And then I became friends with those kids. Like once I got to high school and yeah. they worked with my mom more and yeah. And it was like falling into place, but also falling apart. Yes. Yeah. Falling apart in place. Were you like doing okay in school? Um, so first year of high school, I did all right. Um, but sophomore year, I totally fell off. Um, mm -hmm. and I, I had always been pretty smart, really good grades. Kind of came natural. Yeah. When I was a little kid, I was in like a gifted program. They'd like bus us to another school a couple of days a week or a day. I don't know. Um, and yeah, middle school always honors, always in like the high, our high level classes. Yeah. Sophomore year, I just, um unraveled i fell apart i i started smoking weed like all day every day mm -hmm. 
um, at lunch, me and my friends, that was like our thing. You know, we did yeah. that. Um, my grades were bad. I was sleeping late all the time and nobody, I mean, I guess my parents would get me up for school, but like not too aggressively. Like right. they wanted to sleep in too was kind yeah. of um, So I was, yeah, I missed a lot of school, um, come in late. I almost failed my first period class because I missed it so much. Yeah. To like write a whole appeal to the school and stuff yeah um did yeah. all the while like your brothers you know being an older sibling it's like you're kind of watch. like were you watching them have a hard time or did they kind of were they young enough to kind of not notice so much at that time that you were noticing no I think they noticed um it might have taken them there might have been like a longer period yeah yeah. so um they they started noticing I I remember one time so my parents did have like one or two big fights yeah Um, and I remember one time they were screaming at each other and like it was I don't even, I don't remember that part as much. I remember being in the basement with my brothers and the looks on their faces and they were looking at me like so scared, like they mm-hmm. were terrified. And in that moment, I was just like, I just need them to feel safe and to like be here for them so that right. they okay. Um, yeah. So I do, I remember that. Um, and my brother who, um, was closer in age to me he would we were in high school together oh I guess only the my senior year and his freshman year okay um but I I went away to college the first year but I went to school in the city so I was dorming in the city but I came back a lot um yeah and then after the first year I um was that like a you came back to visit friends and stuff were you kind of wanting to check in on your brothers yeah a little bit, one, yeah. I wanted to check in on my family. Yeah, you know? see how everything was. Yeah, and then after my freshman year of college, my mom was like, your brothers are fighting like crazy. Like, you got to come home. Between the um, two of them? Yeah. Oh, okay. They had and reached- at this time, was your dad still a pastor? No, not by college. Not by college. How did that end? I'm just curious. Like, so, Yeah, that's a story. Um my freshman year of high school, um, right as school was starting, or, I'm sorry, senior year of high school, um, the beginning of my senior year of high school, my parents sat us down and the co-pastor of the church came mm-hmm. over. And I was like, here it comes, the divorce announcement. And I was like, right. I was right. Like, yeah. And then they, my dad says, you know, I am going to be stepping down as a pastor of the church. I've been struggling with um, homosexual desires or something like that. Mm-hmm. I forget how he phrased it or like homosexual addiction. I don't know. It was weird terminology, but he was going to be taking a sabbatical. No, he, he straight up left the church, I think. Yeah. Or he was supposed to take a year off. I don't know. He, no, I think he took a sabbatical before that. Like he took off six months or a year right. pastoring. Um, so at this point he was fully, stepping down mm-hmm. um and uh yeah they told us then and 
that was when he stopped being a pastor. And, and, but they were still married. Yes. They stayed married. They were going to try to make things work, but not too long after that, my mom sat my dad down and said, this isn't working. I can't do this. Yeah. Um, And they, so they separated, but they never got divorced and still lived together for another like five years. So when you went on to college, they were still living together and okay. Mm-hmm. I was just curious about that. So, um, because I, I was curious how, if this turmoil is happening and you're a pastor, like just how that kind of connects, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so he, he ended up leaving that and then you back to your brothers, they were starting to fight a lot. Mm-hmm. Was it due to all this turmoil that was happening in the house or? That was probably separate. Yeah. Uh, I think there was like a big lack of kind of parental guidance at that time. And they were getting closer in age. Like they're both teenage boys now. Right. Um, and just personality clashes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So they called on on you to kind of like come in and try and help. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and did, were you able to? I think so. I mean. A little bit. A little bit. Like they still. The voice of reason. Had their differences, but I was like, I guess a more diffusive presence. Like I right. could um, get in the middle in a way that. And I, I'm sure they had a respect for you maybe that wasn't 100% there for your parents at the time. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know what it was exactly, but I do. Yeah, I remember my mom. I mean, another part of my decision to move home was it was so expensive to dorm. <laughs> that was a big part of it too. But I do remember my mom saying, your brothers are going to kill each other. Like you got to. <laughs> so you ended up moving home. I did, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. So I, I thought she was just kind of calling on to you to come help for a little bit. Uh, you ended up moving back home. And then you were still going to class? You were commuting? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what were you going for? Um, I, I went to a small liberal arts college, Marymount Manhattan College. Mm-hmm. And I was undeclared when I started liberal arts. And uh, by my second year, I declared my major in sociology. I'd taken some electives and mm-hmm. uh, found that. And I minored in social work. I took okay. social work as an elective. And it like... I remember that first class and the the passion the teacher had and the way she was talking. It was like, this is like totally aligning with the way I view the world or like understand. And it just, um, it was, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So you were doing the back and forth thing. How was that living back at home? Are you trying to like go out all the time just to avoid coming back home or were you just kind of in it? So I had a boyfriend at the time who lived in the city. So I was staying with him a lot. A lot, um, yeah. He lived with his family and I would stay there a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's very back and forth. And looking back at it, I do feel like that was a huge factor. It was like I, I wanted to be away from the house. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I had some friends who in 
in those college years um, either were also still living in the area or wound up coming back for different reasons. And we connected and formed our little tribe. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Were you doing any like comedy during or performing arts at all during that time? No, not a bit. Really? Yeah. I so my boyfriend was a part of an evangelical church in the city that my church had done some things with. Mm-hmm. We met in my senior year of high school. Um so I was still going to church. Okay. Um, uh, uh, after my dad stepped down, they had told me and my brothers and my mom that we couldn't go to the church anymore. My mom had stopped going to church. So that didn't bother her at all. Yeah. Uh, she hadn't been going to church for years. Um, but I, as an act of defiance, was like, you're not going to tell me that I can't come to church. Right. And I had like a group of super tight lifelong friends in the church. Yeah. Um, friends who I had known. So we'd known each other since we were children and after we moved out to New Jersey, they wound up moving out to New Jersey. So we all wound up going to the same high school. Wow. So these are like lifelong friends. Of yeah. Mine. You're not going to take my church family from me while my family is falling apart. Like, yeah, I just really wanted to like rub it in. Like how Christian is that? Right. Can't, you're not going to tell me I can't be here basically. Yeah. Yeah. So I kept going and there had been a trip we'd met. Me and my boyfriend at that time, my ex, we had met a few years before from like things our churches had done together. Okay. So, yeah. Then we, um, I was hanging out with one of my friends in the city who still lived in the city um, from church and she had become friends with him because she, she started going to their church. That's what it was. And the three of us hung out one night and he started asking about me and that's how we met. That's how we yeah. met. But then I started going to his church when I was in college because he was still very churchy. Um, yeah. So while all that was happening and you were still connected to the church, were you still connected to the idea of it all, of all the faith? and? I was really going through it spiritually. Like, yeah, there were things about it that I thought were really beautiful and mm-hmm. some of the community aspects were awesome. Um, but I really, the whole gay thing and my dad being gay, I was like, that doesn't jive. Like nothing here is matching up. Right. And a huge part of that became my dad went into this like deep depression and after that, after stepping down and kind of coming out, he'd already been probably like having a walking depression at that point, but then right debilitating yeah um and i was like somebody wouldn't be tortured this much if they could just change who they were so mm-hmm. i was like i i don't like this i don't like yeah. that this organization tells people they can't be who they are right I don't believe what you believe that this is a choice mm-hmm. um, and then a lot of the rules about women and stuff especially my boyfriend's church it was evangelical pentecostal um one of the two or both i don't know um and like very traditional latino as well so there was a lot of like men women hierarchical mm-hmm. stuff that i was like this is bullshit right um, 
so yeah I think I floated into the territory of like I believe in God but this book was put together and then I took like a bible class in college that was just mm-hmm. the bible as like a historical document so I learned yes. about where I would already kind of known that but like I learned at a college level like where sure. text came from how they were assembled at different times and right um, it had to be interesting that class this is a book by people. Like I believe yeah. in some kind of spirituality and force, but I was very much like people are messed up and weird and complicated. And like, there's no way that they got all the words that the, the spiritual center of the universe wanted to communicate. I was just like over it at a certain point. Yeah. But yeah. it was, a journey. it was a journey. Um, and I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, Taylor and I talk about it here and there, but like there's something to be said about like uh, neither one of us really, well, no, he, he went to church way, way, way more frequently growing up, but more of like a sun, I guess a Sunday school mm-hmm. type thing. I, I was put in CCD and that was it. I just went there on Thursdays or whatever my day of the week was just to get the, uh, uh, what is it? Oh, confirmation, you know, and then once it was over, it was over and then it never happened again. I didn't go to church ever, even through that time. And, um, but the stories of the Bible and, and just religion itself, I guess sometimes growing up, it's, it does teach you about morals and different things in some aspects, but what all the things you're saying, it's like, but how do you, that's, and that's, I mean, that's just our perspective. Like we, we don't have Ruby and we won't um, involved in that, but mm-hmm. it's just, I think it needs a little bit of an update, yeah. but, but it does instill some values. So. Yeah. And the reason I got off on all that, that tangent there was um when you asked if I had been doing anything like creatively or performing, his church did have like these um, they would do performances for some of the holidays. And um, there was a member of the church who wrote these like original plays. And I did perform in a few of those. So I did something. Okay. But that, yeah, that was probably the extent of it throughout my college years. And then um, following college. So you landed on social work then mm-hmm. with college. That was like your degree. Um, sociology with oh, sociology. Yeah. Okay. Um, but then when I finished college, I took some time. Uh, I got a job in my last year of college, um, working still dating that guy. Yep. Working in the billing department of the psych- psychiatric department of, um, a hospital in the city. And, um, <clears throat> I was like, I'm just going to do this job for a little while. And then I, I talked to some other people within the hospital um, and they really encouraged me to get my MSW, to get my master's in social work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was terrified because uh, my family's financial situation had totally fallen apart at the same time that like my dad left the church. That was the fall of 2007. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that, but that was when the economy imploded. Um, yeah my parents defaulted on their mortgage. They were like half a million dollars in debt with the mortgage and everything bankruptcy. Um, our house was foreclosed on. I mean, it took years for all this to happen, but 
I, I have a lot of very deep rooted, like financial fears. Of and, course. Uh, I'd taken out a certain amount of student loans for college that wasn't insane, but I was really afraid of like taking on more debt by getting my, and then I I was 21 at the time. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do with my life still. Like I, so am I locking myself into a career when I don't even really know what I want to do or like who I am? Right. But I had some good guidance and people who I, I saw that the master's in social work was a degree that you can do a huge variety of things with. Um, so I, I took the plunge and I, I guess I probably still wasn't a hundred percent confident about it when I did it, but I did it. And right. Yeah. So then I, I did grad school um, and I got into an accelerated program. So I did a two year program in a year and a half. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So that brings us up to 24, 23 years old, 2014. Okay. Yeah. And then once you graduated with that, you were still working at the time too. I did. I worked throughout the program up until the last few months. Wow. Yeah. That had to be intense. It was. It Because it's, it's an accelerated master's program. Yep. And um, you're working. I loved it. I loved it yeah. So like I loved what I was learning. I was in a, a, a really small cohort. There was like 50 of us in the accelerated program together. And the accelerated program was crafted in that way so that it could be a good fit for like professional switching careers or um, people who were like in the field already, but wanted to get this degree. So I met like an ex SVU detective. Yeah. Who was living off like, <laughs> NYPD pension. And he was like, I know that the world needs more social workers from my work as an SVU detective. Like so cool getting Um, people who had been teachers, who'd been actors. Like it was just this fun, diverse mix of people from different backgrounds. It was so cool. I really, really appreciated my time there and like everything that I learned. Yeah. Um, Are you still connected with any of them? Um, uh, not really. No. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, yeah. I mean, lots of very busy people. So sure. Oh yeah, definitely. But like you said, you enjoyed and and valued like that moment that you had with all of them. Yeah, I really, really did. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So, did you continue on where you were working then? Um. No. So I left where I was working and I got offered a job where I had done one of my internships during the MSW program. Mm -hmm. Um, It was at a um, community center, I guess you'd call it like a nonprofit that had um, a youth employment and education program. So it was for high risk youth, um, high risk being at high risk for um, not finishing high school or, um, getting jobs, like being unemployed. So it was teenagers and young adults, like 18 to 24 was the age range mm-hmm. um, programs, a job readiness program, which was a six week course of workshops to develop basic job skills. And then um, a GED program. So it was like an alternative mm-hmm. high school setting. So we had those two things. So I was working there. Um, and were you kind of directly with the, with this young group? Yeah, I had, I had a role. My role was retention specialist, which was like once the um, kid would graduate, 
the GED program or finish the work readiness program, I would be like their point of contact to remain connected with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I would, yeah, do like coaching or counseling sessions with them about what was going on, where they were struggling, what help they still needed. Um, and I started facilitating some of the workshops and the job readiness program, which I really enjoyed doing. Yeah. Uh, but when I accepted the job, I cried the night before I was supposed to go to work because I was so over commuting. I was still living at home. Yeah. And my school was on, uh, it was in East Harlem, Spanish Harlem. Yeah. So, you know, the city at all, like the commute from Jersey to the, that side of the city is intense. So I'd get up. I would take a jitney from a few blocks away. I'd walk to a jitney stop a few blocks away from my house, take the jitney to the train station, take the train to Penn Station, take two subways, took the E to the six, and then the six lets you off at Lexington Ave. And my school was on my school was on third Ave. So that wasn't so bad. But the place where I was working was all the way on first Ave, which is three city avenue blocks which is like half a mile or something like that and it was uphill or downhill god Uh, damn so i was so i did not want to you were burnt out yeah i holy hell yeah i had my college was on the upper east side so i'd been doing this commute in some form for so many years at this point and my boyfriend lived in the lower east side so i was going down there all the time right I was like, I never want to see the New Jersey transit again in my life, <laughs> but it was like, okay, you're fresh out of grad school. You're going to have to start paying these loans. Yeah. Job. And I, I didn't have a lot of like guidance or direction or support. Like, right. so I, I took it and I did like the place, but I was like, I couldn't afford to move into the city or any closer or even move out of my parents' house. Yeah. So convenience was not an option. Yeah. Um, so how long did you do that? Less than a year. Less than a year. Less than a year. Um, I had decided kind of in the um, winter that I was going to start looking for something in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a friend from grad school who was working for a nonprofit in New Jersey. Um, so I talked to her and she actually got me in touch for an interview. So that was awesome. Um, yeah. So I had that pending and then in April of 2015 my mom died. Oh my god. So I I had that interview like a couple of weeks after she died because I knew that I couldn't keep doing the city thing. Right. And let me at least line this job up. Yeah. But wow. it, it that was like a push. That was just like I'm I mean I was um leveled emotion yeah. and there yeah. was no way I was I that it took that much for me to finally be kind enough to myself to say you don't have to keep putting yourself through this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you couldn't you couldn't do that anymore. No. At that point. I could yeah. I, I, was, I already was knew that I, I knew I didn't want to be there before I took the job. I I gave it I do say that I gave it my best. I wasn't just like phoning it in, but I wasn't happy. I was ready to do something else. And then that was just like, no questions. Any the catalyst any, yeah. or any, you know, neuroses I was putting myself through mm-hmm. about the choice was gone. Answer was, was there. instantly I mean, gone. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I they put it, it into perspective. 
Yeah. I took yeah. a part-time job and I was like, that's fine. I saved money. So I knew I'd be okay. Um, and I did. Yeah. That's, that's was your, were your brothers at home? Yeah. At that time, or? Well, no, my, my brother, um, they had moved. One was in college mm-hmm. in New Jersey. He lived on campus and the other one was still at home. Was he in high school? Your youngest still? No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't, but he was home. He, he was probably around like his freshman year. But he, he was home. Yeah. 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 Your dad didn't live there anymore. No. They had at that point they I, I know you had said they still lived together for a while, but they had totally split at so, that point. Yep. Um they never got divorced, but they had finally uh separated dwellings. Um in right. maybe it was thirteen or fourteen. Um yeah. I don't remember. But uh I helped my dad find a new apartment. Yeah. My mom had a boyfriend. He was living with us, all all of us in the house together. And my dad was, uh, we got my dad sober. Um, so my mom, he had gotten- That's incredible. So yeah. He had gotten so, so, so bad. He was like yeah. on his job. Um, yeah. Yeah was just drinking so much like every night um was yeah was like not going to work calling out he was wasting away my mom um confronted him one day and just yelled at him and was like you are killing yourself in front of your children and it's killing them yeah you're a treatment and she had called me she was always running around all over the place with her business and like her life and things she yeah. calls my friend is coming over. I have to get pop ready. He's going to his intake at the treatment center. Yeah. And I, um, I don't know how to do that. Like I was <laughs> 22 or 23. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she's like, you're, you're a social worker. And I was like, I'm in social work school. I'm not a social worker. And he's my dad. Like this right, is right. their person. Like this right, is. Right. I'm not looking at paperwork like, and right. like I was checking like, off bullet points here. Because I think what had happened is she like made this appointment, but he still had not agreed to go. I see. Yeah. Then came the like, you're killing yourself in front of your kids. Moment. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, pop, like mom said you have this appointment. He's like, well, I can't go. Like I can't miss work. And I was like, okay, but I think you're going <laughs> to keep doing this. <laughs> right. Like, right. Um, yeah. Just, I didn't know what I was doing. And then my mom finally, like, I was like, you got to come, you got to help me. Right. Like, please. Right. Be, be the grown up. Right. Know? Please. Um, right. So she came and had that moment and we all got in the car and drove to the place and he sat through the intake and they admitted him. Yeah. Um, a period of detox. Mm-hmm. And I remember my brother and I were working a catering job with my mom and he called us from the treatment center and we go outside to talk to him on the phone. And he's like, I love you guys so much. This place is great. He was drugged up out of his mind. <laughs> you can withdraw from alcohol is very dangerous. Right. So right. On like these medications to level you out. And he was like, 
this place is so wonderful. I can't wait for you guys to visit me here. And we're just like laughing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he had gotten sober, like it worked, you know, he went yeah. through various levels of treatment. Um, he was sober. So after a while I was like, okay, we should probably move out because shit is getting crazy around here. Like it's right. five of us, um, mom's boyfriend and the house was falling apart. We didn't have heat for like three or four years at that point. Um, the boiler had gotten broken and like a drunken incident. Um, like parts of the ceiling were caving in. My mom has, was like spiraling out of control. My mom was also bipolar and like she never, I don't know how she got that diagnosis because she never really had any treatment. But looking back, like it's very hard for me to see it from my position within the family. But I have to like really zoom out and think about it to see it. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was just like mess everywhere. Nothing ever got cleaned up. The refrigerator was always full of like rotting food. I was just falling apart. Right. Did she acknowledge that um, she was bipolar or? Yeah, but it wasn't like. Ever anything that was treated for. Yeah, she had some antidepressants. She had some meds, but she drank so much. um, And when you're on certain things, like it really interferes with their ability to work. And if you're Mm -hmm. not doing the other work of like resolving all of the other issues, she had a very traumatic, you know, there's a lot more there, but once my dad got sober, we moved out. So it was me, my dad and my brothers. um, Okay. We got an apartment. So that's where we were living when my mom died. Passed. Yeah. And was she ill or? No, no. It's a, another crazy story. So I was at work and I got a phone call from my dad. I think that my uncle had died by suicide. Wow. who we lived with when we lived in Long Island. And it was right. um, right. so he was my mom's sister's husband. Okay. And he had four kids. Mm. Um, it, it surprised everybody. It came out of nowhere. Okay. Yeah. So I was at work and I got that call. And I remember the moment where I, I like sat down, I closed the door to my office. I sat down in my chair and I was like, can I leave work now? Yeah. And like trying to negotiate in my head, like what the professional thing to do was, what the right thing to do was. Right. And it was so hard because I was, it was my first like real job. I was so in my head about like, what am I supposed to do? What's appropriate? I want to be with my family. I want to go home. I don't want to be here. Right. I told like the first coworker who I saw, who was my elder and who I looked up to. And she was like, you need to go home. Like you leave, go home. Right, right, right. No hesitation. Right. Right. And that was a really important like moment for me that that person, you know, communicated that. Sure. So I was home and then my mom went right out to Long Island to be with her sister. Mm -hmm. She was there for three days on no sleep helping her get the wake ready, being with my cousins. I went out to Long Island for a day and then came back home. And um, after one of the nights of the the wake, they were at a bar where my uncle worked part-time. Yeah. Drinking. And my mom hadn't slept in a number of days and she, she passed out. She fainted and fell out of her chair and hit her head. 
Oh my God. Now she died. Wow. Yeah. Kate, I am so sorry. I guess I haven't talked about it in a while. Yeah. That is beyond. Yeah, it was. It really was. Um, so I, I had already been off work for a couple of days on like a bereavement leave. Yeah. Um, so that really, like I, I knew I wasn't, I went back for like a week, but I already knew that I was going to be leaving. Like I took a couple of weeks off. They were very generous with me. Um, the administrative assistant was like one of my closest friends there and we're still in touch, but she yeah. My days were covered and took care of Handled all that. that for you. Yeah. yeah. The grace of other people and the way other people can step in, like when you don't have anything, like right. really big lesson that I've learned. Um, yeah. At that point, it's the thing you can hang on to. Yeah. Um, so I, I got the phone call from my aunt whose husband had just died at like 2.40 in the morning. Oh my God, Kate. It was awful. She was just like screaming and crying. And I was like, what are you saying? And I remember the moment where I just dropped to the floor and it was like the whole world like fell out from. I'm sorry. I've talked about this a lot and I haven't cried about it in a long time. (laughs) I, I can't imagine. I really just can't imagine, Kate. And you're such a beautiful person. I mean, I know that I'm sure there's so much work that has to go on with something like that and time. I mean, they say that it it heals, but I know how much work has to go into something like that. And you're you're just such a wonderful person. So thank you. <laughs> um I think I feel really safe with you is why this is coming out like this. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. It's okay. <laughs> this is so weird to me because I've I've talked about it with like lots of people in the comedy community and friends and stuff. And um it's been a long time since it's come up like this. And I think this this year <clears throat> with COVID and everything, I've had this yeah. like fear of losing someone else. Yeah, I'm sure. Weird, weird, hard times. Yeah. Like even even just being quarantined and like you're just, I mean, for us, we're still in that space. I I don't know, you know, um, I'm not working right now. So my head is just like, swelling with just my own thoughts and everyone is kind of in such a weird space you know yeah. and and these things are just they turn up and i don't know i i don't know i'm this is this is why i'm doing this you know i just feel like people have such stories and such hardship and you know acknowledging there's something about for me I feel like I I said this a a couple episodes ago that, um, you know, I get mad for people that they have to go through things like this. Mm. What you went through is just, 
it's just unreal. And I don't, I'm mad about it for you. <laughs> like I'm mad about it. I don't want to fester that for you, but I'm just like, why, you know, why does something like that have to happen? But in talking about it, for me, I feel like, you know, just hearing what you had to go through, I feel like is a moment to just respect and understand and hear what you went through. You know, like, I don't know, life moves on and, and it's a good thing that it moves on and, and there are beautiful moments that happen and, and come about and there's comedy and there's other things that are beautiful. But at the same time, to, to respect and understand and, and hear something like that and to, to feel that you went through that is important for me as a human, you know, I, I just respect you and, and, um, I'm excited that we're building on our friendship. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that with me and with anyone listening. Thank you. And thank you for your words. It means a lot. It really does. Um, and I, I really like what you're doing here. Um, I, believe very much in the value of connection. Yeah. That's why I love comedy. It's why I love mental health work. It's Mm -hmm. why it all, it all fits in the same bowl for me, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think it is, it feels so there's a security and like a safety and feeling really seen and understood by somebody else. Yeah. Um, and I feel that in talking to you now and like when I think about why I do comedy and why I love it so much, why I'm addicted to it is, uh, that connection Yeah, looking for those connections and finding those connections. And there are, is an endless possibility of different connections that can be made between different ideas. And when, when somebody, you know, laughs at what you're saying, they see what they feel it. They see it. Like you're, you're connected, you're unified in that moment. Like you're in the same space. Yes emotionally, spiritually, whatever it is, like your neurons are matching up, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. A real thing that I think you can feel. Um, yeah, that's just, that's so weird to me that I, I reacted in that way because I've talked about this a lot with a lot of people and I haven't had a reaction like that in a really long time. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm sorry to bring on the tears. It's a, I, I really think it was like, uh, a safety thing. Like I felt like it was okay to kind of let the guard down on it. Um, and I think chronologically going through my life trajectory like that, I knew it was coming because I know the story now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, maybe there was something just about like seeing the, the picture as a whole and getting there. Yeah. Um, And I haven't been like deflecting with a ton of jokes and you're not like a comic, so you're not making jokes which is how we protect ourselves from our feelings sure um right or at least that's how we can express them or navigate them in a more tolerable way maybe would be right right Um, but yeah this is more of like the raw I guess what's what's all in the raw Kate yeah right (laughs) so (laughs) (laughs) the wrong idea (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I take it back. 
Um, so Jesus Christ. So that hell is going on and um, moving from that, you were living with your dad mm-hmm. and your brothers. Mm-hmm. What Did you stay working where you were working and just kind of picked up the pieces with all that? And then like what went on after that for you? So I left the job I was at. Okay. I, yeah, thinking about leaving. I um I I had an interview like a week or two, a couple of weeks right. after I died and I just kind of like bottled that up and I was like, let me just see if I can get this job so I don't have to go back to the city. Right. Um, and I got the job and it was part-time, but it was a uh, I was working as a supportive housing case manager for adults with severe and persistent mental illnesses. Um so this job had me driving a company car, nonprofit organization. I was a case manager who would visit people in their homes, people who um, were disabled by virtue of severe mental illness and were living in supported government housing. So they had like their own apartments or shared apartments. I was their case manager and I'd check on them and talk to them and help them process their problems and make sure they were getting to the doctor. I'd take mm-hmm. appointments, grocery shopping. Um, Was it kind of like a, would you see the person like a once a week or not even? Okay. About once once a week, week. once a week. Um, it was incredible work. Amazing. Um, who I worked with were so fascinating and interesting. And, um, my coworkers were amazing. Just like funny. I was working in Essex County, which is where I live. So it was Mm -hmm. like a dream. I'd hop in the car, drive like 15, 20 minutes. Wow houses. And it was the first time I got to kind of like branch out. Um, I had bought myself a car a few months before my mom passed, but I really just kind of, I was in and out of the city so much. Mm-hmm. I never needed a car in New Jersey and right. I didn't really went anywhere. Like I, I knew the city like very well. Right. I didn't really go around New Jersey very much. So that's, I think part of when I like really fell in love with the state too, and just like mm-hmm. driving around and going different places, meeting different people. Um, it was really, and I, I threw myself into it and it was so easy to do that. Like when I was visiting people who have schizophrenia or like severe bipolar one, something like that, I was like, yeah, no, we got to get this figured out. And meanwhile, like my grief is going on underneath all that. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways I probably threw myself into work and the relationship I was in at the time, which I don't even want to talk about. It was so bad. Yeah. Um, but I use those things to like distract myself very much. Right. It was so, my mom was such a part of the community. She, um, a few years before she had died, she had a storefront. So she had like this little restaurant cafe. Oh, with really? Business. She was a huge part of the town, the community. Like right. she so many people, so many people knew her from her catering work. And she was always, she was always trying to connect people too, which yeah. I love she became very active on like local message boards and somebody would be like, you know, my family, um, my son is, my husband's out of work. I don't know. Da, da, da. We need a mattress. We have, we've been sleeping on air mattress and my mom would, you know, message her friends and be like, Does somebody have a mattress that she like get somebody or, you know, this person needs a lawnmower. And like, <laughs> she was doing stuff like that. Like, yeah. Trying to help people out and get people. To I was them. just, I was getting a little worked up cause I was thinking, like just the connection of 
you're a social worker and that's like you connecting with people and helping them and similar. She did that without going to school for it. (laughs) Yep. Yep. On a smaller Um, scale, but she was doing it. Yeah. 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 I think that's just something I learned from my family culture was helping people (laughs) out, looking out for each other. Um, But I did have a moment when I was in social work school and I was with a friend and I was like, I realized I went to social work school so I could, because I was fascinated with how people work mm-hmm. to try to understand my own family. Perfect. Like, not that that was a conscious process. I but. wasn't, let me go to social work school so I can figure these wackos out. It was like <laughs> definitely like this underlying driving force that mm-hmm. was like, oh, so that's why people do what they do. Um, that makes and, sense. Yeah. Understand that and how to help people because I saw so much despair and I was like, how do you get people out of this? Like, yeah. Also, where I um, honed my comedy skills. Like, we grew up in a very funny family. Mm-hmm. Humor was used all the time. Um, yeah. A lot of the time as a defense mechanism, as a right. way to deflect, as a way to avoid things. Mm-hmm. Um, and also as a way to keep things light. Like, mm-hmm. when things so very, got very good, very sharp. You had to be. Yeah. To, you know, like, kind of right. make it. So, that was definitely going on, even though I, I didn't get into comedy until a year after, or I started doing improv right before my mom died. That's how that all, that's where the comedy stuff. Where it started. Okay. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. I will. So, um, when I started that job, I, me and my boyfriend who'd been together for six years at that point had broken up. I was starting the job stuff with my family was crazy. I was like, I have, I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to try that. Um, yeah. So I. Good for you. Going, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I went to a school counselor when I was in college for a few sessions. Was that, I know with psychology, you have to, is that something? Not in a social work program. Okay. Um, but it is strongly encouraged that when you go into the field, you do do that. Makes and sense. It makes sense. I mean, doing what you do, you kind of carry all of this, this heavy heaviness. So you have to. Yeah. And it brings up your own stuff. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. if you're not taking care of that and taking care of you, you're not going to be able to do your best with other people. You know, maybe you can. Yeah. But, um, so my therapist was really great about helping me find I was, you know, I was like, yeah, I did this, but I'm not, I don't feel fulfilled. Like I I finished grad school. I got the job, but I still don't feel, you know, and, um, maybe she said it to me or I'd read it somewhere that if you are trying to fit, if you're trying to figure out what to do with your life, look at what you did for fun as a kid. Look at what kind of you were drawn to. Mm -hmm. And when I was a kid, I would like put on skits for my friends and I would take songs and like write parody songs of them about our lives. (laughs) Um, And I was like, yeah, I really always wanted to try comedy, but being as broke as I was growing up and everything that was going on with my family, I was like, going, like doing that is for people whose parents pay their rent for them to live. Sure. Like, no, like, that's not a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So funny because Marymount Manhattan, the college I went to, was like a performing arts school. Oh, really? Had, yeah, it had a theater program, a really robust dance program. 
But I think I was so immersed in that too. And in seeing these people my age who had parents who were paying rent for them to live in New York City and live out this dream, I think I had some bitterness and resentment about that. Mm-hmm. I think I see myself as at like a huge disadvantage. Like I can't afford that luxury because I got it. I got. I had it in my head that I'd support myself and my parents because they were not looking like they were going to be able to take care of themselves much longer. Right. And then to be like financially stable for my brothers, like I had all this weight that I had put on my own. Sure, sure. But then my And it's hard not to be bitter about that. I mean, it's not not in an envious way. It's just like, shit, Mm -hmm. I got to do all this. So, yeah. Yeah. Um. And I think I found a lot more joy in my life since like letting that go and not seeing things in that way anymore. Definitely. Um, but so, yeah. And so I was like, I always wanted to try comedy. I've heard about these improv comedy classes. Um, I'd heard of UCB. I had a friend who'd done classes there and I was like, that's really expensive. And it's all the way in the city. Like, let me Google if there's anything in New Jersey. I got this car now. I bought a $1,200 2001 Honda Accord. My mom <laughs> It online through a message board. Yeah. Like this car goes again. (laughs) She's like, it's priced right, low mileage. It's perfect. Um, it's a stick shift. And I was like, I don't know how to drive that. And she was like, I do, I'm gonna teach you. And that was like a miserable process. Uh, (laughs) Awesome. Um and I Googled like improv classes near me or New Jersey or something. Yeah. There was a a workshop class that you could audit before the upcoming semester of like improv 101 classes. So I went and I loved it and I signed up and, um, awesome. I, yeah, I was in like the level two class when my mom died. Okay. I, I had met, uh, Franco, our buddy Franco at that point yeah. and Angelique. Um, and so uh, you met in school the, in the class. Oh, cool. Cool. But so then I missed the class for two weeks and it was that third week where I was like, okay, if I miss this, I'm going to forfeit the class. Right. And I was like, do I go or do I not go? I'm still like totally fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, I'm going to go because it, I feel really good when I'm there. Good for you. Yeah. They're anxious about going. I always feel better to have gone. Yeah. Went and part of the relief in it, I was a zombie. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Thought about me, like what happened to this girl in the past? Right, year? right. Nobody knew. And it was the, it was the first pocket of time that I'd had in my life in three weeks where I wasn't under the weight of the fact that my mom had just died. Right, right. So I escaped into it. Um, and I didn't tell anybody for a while. Yeah. Um, Cause I wasn't really like super close. Like we'd been building these budding friendships, but it had only been a couple months. Right. Um, yeah. So, um, so I kept doing improv and, um, had a lot of fun, kept doing classes and auditions. And how did that work? Like, what is the class situation? How, how do you graduate from that? Like, so it was three levels. And then you could be invited to join one of two of their house teams, one of their professional oh, cool. that performed at the school and for like corporate events and stuff like that. Oh, neat. Yeah. So did you end up doing that? I did. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So I did that up until 2018, maybe. 
Nice. And was that like a, how often did they have shows? Um, so we had weekly practices. Oh, cool. The, the shows, uh, there were like a few a year. I kind of forget. You have to forgive me. A lot of haziness with the oh. of like the, my, I have a lot of memory problems. <laughs> um, particularly anything that happened like around. around. Yeah, of yeah. course. Of course. Um, but it's, yeah. Um, but so, I didn't know if like the, the shows were like once a, every couple of weeks or. It's like maybe every other month. I'm trying to think. I, I used to go to um, the improv jam in, where was that? Um, in Red Bank. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's, that was one, but I feel like they had one like at least once a month and we would go and it was fun. Yeah. It was probably something like that. So, so doing improv, like tell me a little, just a little bit about how, how that must feel like just kind of bouncing off of everyone. And do you go in with like a bit of a storyline? No, the whole no story, no storyline. You go in there with nothing. Nothing. Love it. I <laughs> love, love, love it. Yeah. You have to, you can't get in your own head. You can't be thinking about what am I going to say next? What am I going to do when I go out there? When I put myself on the stage, you just have to ride like your first instinct and trust it and trust yourself that once I get into this situation, I'm going to find the fun in it. There are like basic structures and kind of guidelines. Yeah. Stay within those and you practice and you get comfortable doing it with other people. Like you build a sense of trust in yourself. And for me, getting comfortable with failure was huge. Like you you go out there and sometimes you look stupid, but it's like, yeah, I'm doing a silly, stupid thing. I'm in a basement with a bunch of adults. Right, right. You know, yelling about my legs on fire and nobody's laughing. (laughs) Right. Laugh at yourself because if you take yourself too seriously, it's going to be miserable. Right, right. So you, you, you. So that lesson was that lesson learned fast for you. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had the added anesthetic of being in like an acute trauma state too. Like, yeah. Some reason, like the stakes that might have existed before of like, what are people going to think? You know, who's paying attention? What's going on? I was numb to a lot of that. It vanished here. Yeah. doing it yeah because um, and it was like one of the things I took from the experience of losing my mom was I hit a depth of pain I'd never known before right so everything else is relative to that yeah so I'm like yeah that was a shitty moment but it's not as bad as the moment my mom died like right right <laughs> I this might sound morbid but I thank my mom for that gift because I feel relief in a sense. I moved through my life with a lot less fear than I might've had. Yeah. And I have to thank her for that gift. Not that I ever would have wanted her to do it on purpose, but that I, I, that's part of the meaning I take from the loss. Yeah. Yeah. It it gave me that gift of like, I've looked into the abyss and came back. Yeah. I have to, I have to take that out of it. Like I, yeah. I that lesson, that meaning in it. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, to like with improv, you just, you have to be so stupid and like so silly and you can't take yourself too seriously, which I love. And, um, and I made such good friends doing it. Yeah. I found people who like, who, who spoke my language, like our hearts were the same shape. I don't know how to describe it. I just like, I found my people, you know? Yeah. Um, and then the school where I did the improv offered a stand-up workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took that and then a buddy of mine, Franco, he started doing stand-up and I was like, I want to do that. I can do that. Yeah. And, you know, I did the class and I was like, this was cool. This was fun. Um, and people have was that of- any more intimidating than doing improv or not really? I mean, it, yeah, I, it was because I hadn't done it before. I hadn't done right. it yet. And improv you do as a group. So I guess you feel like any, uh, shame. Someone, if- someone's got your back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you mess up, you mess up together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and stand-up is solitary. I mean, you there's a lot of collaboration, but it is v- very much on you. Uh, it's a solo effort. And if people aren't laughing, they're not laughing because your scene partner isn't pulling their weight or you guys aren't being funny together right now. Right, right. Not jiving with you. Again, back yeah. to the connection. It's like, oh, the audience is not connecting with me. So that was another lesson in learning how to fail. Um, Chris Gethard, one of my favorite comics. and Yeah. Just- creators out Amazing. there. Yeah. He talks about lose well, you know, mm-hmm. he, he, that's one of his tattoos. It's one of his books. And it's like, yeah, you're going to fail. You're going to fall over and over again, but do it well, you know, yeah. learn something from it, take something from it, own it when you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in stand up, that's so true. Huge thing. You're going to bomb all the time. Mm-hmm. You, know, it, you have to work through hours and days and weeks and months and years of failures and not and messing up to find these nuggets of things that are good but it's so worth it so yeah that lesson was only amplified like by the stand-up of just not being afraid to take chances and uh not letting it destroy you when things don't work it's okay you i you didn't like my joke that's okay you don't like my joke that's okay I think I've said that in shows before without a doubt. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Let me try another joke. Like, <laughs> so I'm curious, um, being a female in comedy, like, I don't know, is, do you get that, um, boys club vibe sometimes or like, like what's that like for you? Um, when you're out yeah. there. Yes, that happens. Um, I think there is a lot of stuff that I go through as a female in comedy that men in comedy don't go through. Um, okay. Luckily, I feel like the communities that I'm a part of, I don't feel that too acutely. Yeah. Um, and I rarely feel like I'm shifting my shape to fit in with the guys. And if I yeah. ever find myself kind of doing that, I really try to resist it because mm-hmm. I want to be who I am. Right. Every moment, be be true to my authentic self. Um, and if I'm in a situation where I feel like that's hard to do or it's unsafe to do that, then I know that I don't want to be there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it still still happens like that. It is a work in progress. It's a, a lesson I'm learning. But um, mm-hmm. 
there have been to to go back to that. So there have been experiences where I've been contacted by people producing shows, and um, I feel like I've been treated differently than when they contact the guys, or um, I've you know had weird requests or things like that that I don't <laughs> think the guys have to put up with. Right, um, right. Or kind of navigating that dance of. I want to connect with this person because they're booking me on their show or they're another comic on the show and I'm meeting them. Right. I want to be friendly and approachable, but I also want to respect my own boundaries and I want my boundaries to be respected. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. It's, some, it's something you're still in. I mean, that, that might never go away just as a woman. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember. I was, do, it, it must have been like one of those post-show hangout moments where the comics are kind of hanging out together and just talking and chatting and laughing. And somebody made a joke, a guy made a joke, but it, to me, it was not a joke. It was just something that was like sexually inappropriate. Right. Me. And I was like, where's the joke in that? And he's like, well, right. you know, I forget what it was, but it's like, yeah, my balls on your face, you know, like, that's funny. And I was like, all you said was like, you're going to put your balls on my face there. What was the joke? What was the context? Like, what was the setup? What was the punch? Like, I just, right. Art. Cause that's right. 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 Good for you. Right. Um, yeah. So I've had fun moments with that too. I've had very liberating moments on and off stage Mm -hmm. where I have felt where I've called people out mm-hmm. in a way that other people connected with where people laughed at it or they, you know, they like had my back in it in, in a way where I, I had, I've never felt that I had an opportunity to do that in my life before. Yeah. And if, if I did, like, if I was just with some people hanging out and I was like, I don't know, maybe I had, it, w- it would pass though sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Where there, it's like you had the opportunity Mm -hmm. where I got to like call shit out and be upset, but make it funny. Right. I'll say this, I'm good on my feet. And I think people who know me would agree. Yeah. Yeah. And when somebody comes at me sideways, (laughs) there is social work, Kate. And if you were in my therapy office, I would take very good care of you. And we would find the root of what caused you to say <laughs> do that. Right. But if you're not in my office, <laughs> you're not paying me for my compassion. Okay? Right. <laughs> you're just displaying this behavior out in the real world. Right. Watch out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it. I have one set that I remember specifically. Um, I was at an open mic in Jersey that was like kind of like the go-to open mic. It was like where the New Jersey comedy scene congregated. It was this dive bar in Kenilworth, 10th Street Live. I don't think they're open anymore, but that was like even pre-COVID. Um, but it was this divey kind of bar. It was like a real battle scene. Yeah. Mike. And <clears throat> I hadn't put my name in the bucket yet, but I was watching the other comments and I saw this guy doing crowd work. I have my hands in quotes here. Yeah. So this, this woman sitting with a man and he's like, Oh miss you like, you know, you have tattoos. You like tattoos. And she's like, yeah, that's why I have them. And he's like, oh, <laughs> you like to get cum on your tattoos. And she was like, what? And then he apologized to her boyfriend. Like, Bro, is that your girlfriend? Ugh. And then another comic had 
called me out because I was sitting across from another comic enjoying a cheeseburger. And he's like, <laughs> you guys going to like fuck after this or something? And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. I, I, I felt the adrenaline. Oh, like, boy. <laughs> I, I, it was like a beautiful mind, like putting together like sentences in my head and like what I'm yeah. going to say. But also <laughs> trusting my improv instincts and being like, I'm not going to write this shit down. I'm just going up there. Doing and it. I there and I was like, what the fuck are you saying? Like, are we going to, because I'm sitting across from him, like his penis is going to fall into my mouth. Like, what are you saying? And I called out this guy about the tattoos. And I was like, you, you, because she has tattoos, she likes to get come on them. Like, where's the logic? Help me follow your line of reasoning. And then you apologize not to her, but right. to her boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, and the, I had, I let myself be myself and have yeah. that reaction in that energy and I felt like the room like the guys like their ears they were like who is this chick like what yeah is she, where is she coming from but they were yeah. like oh shit she's got a mouth like <laughs> it it and it felt so good to like liberating get and have people be like yeah like yeah and I was one of the only girls there and I was the only one who said those things yeah yeah so there is a part of me that I, I do love that role of like, if I'm not here to say this shit, you guys aren't seeing it, are you? You're not right. hearing it. But then when I say it from this face and this mouth, you hear it. Right. I'm good at putting sentences together. Right. I'm really cool. I got pretty eyes. Yeah. <laughs> the message for whatever reason. Right? right, right. So I feel like I at sometimes I'm like I gotta be out there because I gotta call this shit out, but that mm -hmm. cannot be my driving force because it is exhausting and I would kill myself doing that. Right. And I got to a point where I was like, I can't go to certain mics or do certain shows because I don't want to fight every time. Like I don't want to feel like I have to have my spidey senses tingling through a whole show. It doesn't feel good. Right. Right. To, like talk about silly stuff sometimes and tell my. You want to enjoy it. Yeah. It's for you too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a bit about finding your, your place then in the comedy yeah. world sometimes. I've, I've been asked to do like roast battles and shows like that before. Mm -hmm. I've turned down those because even though I could, I think that I do have a skill set for it. Yeah. It's antithetical to who I am. I love making fun of my friends, but to just performatively like be mean to each other, something about that doesn't sit very well with me. And certain shows I had to say no to because I was like, I don't want my thing to be that I'm calling out shitty behavior, that I'm, I'm showing that I can be as good as or one of the guys. I don't want to be at the right hand on top of your clubhouse. I want to be in my own thing. I want to make my own thing. Yeah. Like I'd rather be in a room full of ladies or a different gender people who are agreeing with each other and like vibing together as opposed to having to like fight my way and prove to you that I deserve to be here. Right. Right. Yeah. In that like harsh mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you, even though you find the comedy in it, it's like, I'm sure there's that line that's like, eh, mm -hmm. this is getting old. Yeah. Yeah. I like it every now and then, but I, I noticed it was becoming more and more of what I like found myself having to do on a continuous basis. And I was like, I think I'm doing the wrong shows if I yeah. feel like I have to do that all the time. Yeah. So in, in now what, I mean, the hell that's going on right now, what is comedy looking like for you? Are you able to do some stuff right now? So 
thankfully during the summer and the fall and even into like maybe the first week of December, I was doing outdoor shows. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I really love that. I love that like comedy was flipped on its head. It's like the opposite of usually when you do comedy and you're, you're in a dark crowded room, right? Mm-hmm. People come together. Yeah. And you're enclosed in the space so you can really like be in each other's presence and feelings and uh, the laughter bounces off the walls and you feel mm-hmm. close and it's like now we're outside and we're six feet apart and it's daytime right <laughs> right things are a little weird here it was so weird and it felt like starting all over again in a lot of ways yeah um, i'm sure those first couple of shows back outside i had been doing zoom stuff throughout like this oh cool right earlier in, in the pandemic um so i've been doing more improv stuff now i'm back doing a, i did a couple of zoom things here and there mm-hmm. um and my friend Angelique, we have these characters. Um, so we met each other doing improv and we created these characters and we we have some bits that are built into it, but we improvise most of it. It's hysterical. Fun. You guys yeah. are so good. You can follow our Instagram um, at Gail underscore and underscore Angela. Gail and Ann. I think we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna tag it. We're gonna we're gonna yeah. have it on yeah. the uh <laughs> um, so we post our shows and stuff there, mm-hmm. um, but it's been a lot easier for me in the virtual format to do improvised stuff, to do characters, to be silly. Yeah. Um, a lot harder to do stand up that way. Yeah. Very bizarre. Like, yeah, yeah. Have the mics on so you don't hear any laughs. It's too weird, man. It's yeah, too- it's weird. Yeah. So but you're I- doing it here and there then? Yeah, and yeah. I've been doing more writing. I took like a writing workshop. Awesome. Um, so trying to keep all that alive, it's so important. Um, yeah, so, but it sucks. It, I've been feeling it more. Like I'm like that whole, I used to do like three or four shows a week and go right. to, or like go to other people's shows. I was, it was such a big part of my life that is now so much smaller because right you know, factors out of my control and I do feel it. So, yeah, well, I'm sure when this all turns over, you're going to be back to three, three shows a week. I hope so. Yeah. So before you go, I thank you so much for all your time tonight. I really had a great conversation with you. Um, I wanted to do a little game fast forward through your feelings. Okay. A little, word, a little word association game. Oh, okay. Cool. So, so first thing that comes to mind. Okay. All right. Do it. Yes. I feel like I'm getting therapized. You've been, ooh, this has been wonderful for me. Thank you. Well, there's always room for chapter two, Kate. So, okay. okay. Escape. Shelter. Worry. Fear. Change. Scary. Doubt. Empty. Hot sauce. Yum. I needed to know. I needed to know, you know. (laughs) Does she like spice? Does she not? Okay. My nickname amongst certain friends is Spicy Kate because of side of my personality oh okay i like it you're i'm gonna have to feed you one day my um my hot mama chili please do it's it's 
it's award winning. Okay. Third, third place. I got rigged, but that's what Taylor says. But, um, but I'm going to, I'm going to serve you some hot mama chili one day. Okay. Um, music. Awesome. Scary. Movies. <laughs> All right. That's um, my note. That's, that's your what? My, my birth control. Oh, your birth, your no baby alarm. Okay. Yes. You better keep it in check. You better take your pill when you need to. Okay. Um, boundary. Important. Material. Items. Epic. Meltdown. (laughs) I love that. Um, trust. Important. Entertainment. Fun. Confusion. Hmm. Complicated. Happiness. Joy. Patience. Good. And proud. Sunshine. Well, sunshine, you should be very proud of yourself. You are a wonderful woman. Thank Thank you so much for sharing with me. Thank you for asking me to do this and for being interested in um, my story and my stuff. Thank you. I was and I am. So thank you again for sharing with me. It means a lot. Listener and interviewer. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So, um, thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. Send you off to bed, off to take your birth control. (laughs) Don't forget. No, I won't. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kate. Thank you so much for coming on, and I'll I'll talk to you soon. We'll be in touch. Okay. Big kisses. Thanks. Big kisses back. Bye, Kate. Bye.